once again, and welcome to the Free to Brew Show. I, of course, am your host, uh, Greg Pulsher, and uh, we're getting uh, started on another great episode here. Uh, we get to talk about margaritas on this episode. And uh, to do that, I thought I would bring on a uh, wonderful individual of the R Street Institute, uh, General Counsel and Vice President of Implementations for R Street, and a regular columnist on AL.com down there in Alabama, uh, without further ado, uh, Cameron Smith, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Hey, Cameron, and uh, thank you. Re- here, th- uh, thank you. And uh, what I wanted to uh, bring you on to talk, t- talk about was this um, interesting development on margaritas down in Alabama. Uh, but first, wanted to uh, first learn a little bit about yourself and uh, what you guys do over there at R Street. Thanks, Greg. Uh, R Street is a free market think tank where we see the world in terms of problems and solutions rather than uh, hard partisan lines and things like that. We're definitely anchored on the center right, but we're really looking for free markets and real solutions. Uh, We're trying now to take that into the alcohol space where we have a lot of arbitrary laws and regulations uh, that play with the marketplace but don't really do very much for the consumer. And, uh, I mean, by that, what do you mean as far as that's concerned? Well, what we see in a lot of alcohol systems around the country is uh, what I'll call prohibition-era hangovers. They, they were initially in, say, let's say the 30s, sort of attempts to deal with alcohol um, after prohibition ended. And they've sort of just rolled on. Many of them have continued to exist. We have the old Baptist and Bootleggers Alliance, particularly thriving in the South. And it's, uh, if you believe in free markets, if you believe in free people, then we need to start from a position of people need to behave like responsible adults, and they should be given some latitude and freedom. Unfortunately, the Alabama ABC and other control structures like it start from the position that the government knows best, and you need to ask the government in order to have freedom and have a little responsibility. I tend to disagree. And, uh, I mean, as far as Alabama is concerned, uh, you're, you're living it, correct? You're from Alabama? Absolutely. I'm talking to you from Alabama right now. All right. That would explain uh, my almost uh, mistake of calling you at 11 my time, not 11 your time. But uh, as you can see, you did not get a phone call from me uh, around 10 your time. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to talk about the general, I guess, political climate in Alabama to give us a perspective of uh, what we're eventually going to be talking about here on Margaritas and uh, the ABC board down there, the Alcohol Beverage Control Board. What is Alabama like if uh, you had someone moving there uh, from the Northeast or the Northwest that came to Alabama? What would they see there? Well, the big thing that I used to describe our political climate is inertia. We look at things and say, we've been doing it that way for a long time. Let's just continue to do it. We see this with sunset laws and things like that. We very rarely sunset any sort of agency or commission. Uh, Our governor, Kay Ivey, recently did that, which was surprising to some people to see some random commissions and things like that go away. Uh, That's not usually the case. And so you've got a political climate where we keep doing what we've been doing, and it's, uh, it's hard to change. It's hard to stop that inertia, 
get people to come up for air and, and ask some questions about whether these policies are serving their intended purpose, whether these expenditures are justified. I don't know that that's necessarily unique to Alabama, but it's a, it's a climate where people don't really trust government, but they don't really want to change it either. Okay. And I mean, concerning al- al- alcohol in particular, uh, before the show, I pulled up some stats on uh, the tax climate that's out there. And as far as beer is concerned, uh, you guys have the third highest beer tax at a buck oh five a gallon, uh, which uh, the lowest is Wyoming at two cents a gallon. Uh, liquor spirits, uh, you, you're, you're actually, uh, congratulations, uh, you're actually the worst uh, as far as uh, the way I'm viewing this as uh, $18.25 a gallon for spirits and distilled spirits in your state. And that uh, equates to Wyoming and uh, Missouri, I think, are like two bucks a gallon. And then wine. Sure. We, we have, as I mentioned, the Baptist and Bootleggers Alliance in the sense that we are a control state right now. We tax liquor at a high level. Um, and, and that's not by accident. Uh, those questions are, are questions that, frankly, I think need to be for the legislature. The legislature needs to decide these things. But in Alabama, um, sin taxes and things like that aren't uncommon. They're a source of revenue, and I think that question is separate from whether we need the bureaucracy of the ABC, but I, I expect that high taxes will continue in Alabama, um, much to the chagrin of people who want cheaper prices. And you bring up a good point because those are two separate arguments that we're going to be having uh, as far as like the tax climate and ABC, whether that should even exist or not, because sans ABC, there are still taxes out there. And as far as what Alabama is looking at right now, you gave us a little bit about what um, what the general political climate is. Uh, but I guess what what are we looking at when it comes to alcohol? Like, have there been any types of reforms in the past few years or where? I mean, besides the taxes I just brought up, what are we looking at as far as rate the, or the rate regulatory issues in this state? Well, the big issue that we have is we have a very strange system. The state owns the distribution network and the retail network for alcohol. However, we also license package stores. There are about three times as many package stores as state retail stores. Those package stores buy liquor from the state at a 10% discount, then they mark it up and they sell it and they have different hours than the state-run ABC stores. So it's a unique climate in Alabama because even though the state owns the distribution network and has retail stores, it also allows for package stores at the same time. So it's, again, just kind of a mashup of things that have evolved over time, uh, much of it having very little to do with alcohol and a lot to do with people making money off the state bureaucracy. Okay. And so, I mean, before we even talk about mar- margaritas in this sense, uh, you wrote, uh, or I've been following you a bit on this, um, you've wrote, wrote, written in the past couple of months uh, some issues that sort of brought up to this forefront that we're going to be talking about with margaritas in this tax climate of what the ABC's role is in the state. And uh, it's politicians and potentially governors that are misusing what this board was really even for. Can you explain to us a little, a little bit about that? Sure. One of the th- first things that popped up on my radar 
was I had a few friends say, hey, have you heard about this 5% markup on liquor that the ABC is working on uh, to fund the district attorneys? And I said, well, what are you talking about? I mean, the ABC has the power to issue a markup, but there's four different contexts where the ABC can do that. Uh, it's in their administrative code, and it's for things like prices change, things like that. Uh, but they do have some latitude there. But there's certainly not a provision that says, hey, you can issue a general tax hike on liquor for the purpose of funding another state agency or state activities, I should say. Um, I, I started to dig in it further. I asked the ABC to tell me uh, what was going on. The long story short is the legislature, the district attorneys, the governor, and the ABC all sort of got together and said, ABC, if you'll raise your markup 5%, we'll take those revenues and fund the district attorneys. It's a good deal for the ABC because it gives them another protector. People want – the district attorneys should want the ABC uh, to continue to be able to maintain that markup because they get funding from it. It was good for the legislature and the governor because they got to have a backdoor tax hike without having to vote on it. The only people it was bad for were the people of Alabama and – in a sense, the structure of government, because ABC may have markup power, but it doesn't have a tax hike power, and that's effectively what happened. And you just brought up protector, and I think that's going to be a really key point in all of this. Is um, are you saying that the like or or the General Assembly that they're actually sort of working in ways to make sure that the ABC just won't just can't be eliminated because of all these new taxes and things that they're sort of tasks, tasked with collecting? Yeah, I think that's the big issue here, is that the ABC sees the writing on the wall. They realize that most states are not control states. They recognize that those states don't have people, you know, passing out in the streets because of the sort of alcohol madness. And, and they see that their days are numbered as an agency. So they're looking for protectors so that the agency can continue to exist. What those protectors look like, for example, by law, the ABC isn't allowed to own property. So they lease property. Well, for the retail stores, again, stores that are not necessary, we, we could fully privatize those. They lease those to 170 some odd different partnerships, individuals, real estate companies, and those leases are lucrative. And so those people with that economic interest, with those leases want to protect the ABC. Now the district attorneys have an incentive to protect the ABC. It's not because the ABC needs to exist or does something magical in terms of balancing <laughs> taxation and consumption. It's that they're finding ways to protect themselves with groups outside of the ABC. Okay. And uh, I mean, so then did this 5% tax eventually get passed? Yes, they, they adopted the 5% increase. And so this is predominantly only help is basically only helping a bureaucracy continually exist within itself. Like this, I mean, as far as what what's concerned with the gen, with the General Assembly and the Alabama government is that they could figure out different ways to figure out ways to raise these funds that are more direct. But they're trying to take a backhanded syntax approach and enable the ABC more ways to just just exists, not really do much benefit or value in the community. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the biggest issues is Alabama, Alabama's political climate 
is a very much an anti-tax climate. So if a legislature has to vote to raise taxes, that vote is probably going to be no in most cases. That's simply part of the political climate. But to have the agency do the dirty work of the tax hike is generally seen as a benefit by members of the legislature, which to me is shocking that some some folks claiming the mantle of a conservative or a limited government type politician are essentially trying to find backdoor tax hikes. That should be a, a red flag to everybody. But I think what's happening there, I mean, that's happening in a lot of states too. I mean, predominantly uh, from what I can see here in North Carolina, that's happening, uh, different ways to raise sin taxes in Colorado, the legalization of marijuana, trying to figure out different ways to get taxes without actually saying, I'm going to raise your income tax or your sales tax out there. But, uh, and, and this is happening with largely Republican controlled legislatures. Like, do you, like, it, it, do you see like a commonality in a lot, a, like a lot of this where these people really aren't for free markets anymore or what's going on with this? Well, I, I think what you're seeing in some instances is every politician's looking for revenue. That's just a reality. They're looking for the revenue to make the expenditures they want to make. And they don't want to take on the liability of being a tax hike politician in a red state. Uh, my sense is if you really believe that a tax hike is warranted, let's have that discussion, let's have that debate, and let's vote on it. If the answer is, well, if I vote for that, I'll lose my job, then you need to ask yourself whether the people who put you in office really want you to vote for that. And, and I think that that's part of the problem we're having right now is, especially in red states, people say, hey, look, we want you to find ways to keep government small. That's what we want. And politicians are saying, okay, well then let me find ways to generate revenue outside of a tax hike that I have to be on the hook for. It's the same thing. It's just a little bit more underhanded. Okay. And I mean, without sunset clauses out there, with, which affects a lot, mo, which affects most states, I mean, taking on actual reform and using political capital uh, to reform a system of bureaucracy uh, that most people aren't even paying, paying attention to and is a way to generate uh, tax income. Uh, is it likely that, I mean, could, because you said that, or in one of your articles, uh, that there's ample ways to save money, to save funds by reforming the ABC board, but it's just not going to happen in the next couple of cycles. Well, I, I think that there's a reason for optimism that this issue is coming to the forefront. As we increasingly hit budget restraints, folks are looking for ways to save money. Now, the backdoor tax hike type thing is one option, but you could actually save a lot more and have a lot more money at the disposal of the legislature if you don't have the, I guess it's around 600 employees with the ABC to uh, sustain that bureaucracy. You can still generate the same tax revenue um, off the liquor and, and have the same regulations. You just don't need the layer of bureaucracy where you're paying salaries and pensions for lots of employees to do what the free market can do anyway. Imagine that, a company that actually collects the taxes uh, that has been mandated on, on, on them. I really can't name any other, any other industry out there that does that. Can you? Well, I, I think <laughs> this is just the silliness uh, of the ABC structure. It's saying, 
we need this very strange regulatory layer between the legislature and the consumer and, and retailers. And I think at the end of the end of the day, a half measure won't work here in Alabama. The idea of getting rid of the retail stores is certainly part of it. Um, you could privatize all retail, but with the state sort of having the hammer of the distribution network, having the hammer of some of the licensing laws, my sense is you've got a quasi-legislature in the ABC when it comes to alcohol. You don't need it. We're paying for it. Uh, hopefully some legislators and maybe the governor will start to pay attention and look for ways to phase out this relic of prohibition. And right there, that's a great transition period right there. Uh, the quasi-legislature, or, or the and uh, it came to the forefront uh, this month, really, uh, with some interesting interpretations of rules and regs uh, that the ABC board had done, and uh, with great backlash, might I add. Uh, what was the issue, and what all happened uh, to get to the point that they retracted uh, their ruling? Well, Greg, the, the interesting thing happened to me is I get a call from a friend saying, hey, did you know the ABC has banned pictures of margaritas? And I laughed at them and said, you're serious? I mean, I know plenty of places where margarita pictures are on the menu. They said, yeah. They said that a restaurant in Homewood, Alabama called Taco Mama had had their pitchers shut down, if you will. And so I started digging into it a little bit. I called the ABC, and the ABC said that there was a code section that the ABC for a long time had relied upon that essentially rendered beer the only beverage that was allowed to be served in pitchers. I looked at the code section, and it didn't say that. Uh, and then they informed me that it was a statutory interpretation <laughs> by General Counsel Bob Hill, and I looked at it. It's clearly a code section that basically is trying to avoid knockoff liquor. For example, taking a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, selling half of it, filling the rest with an inferior bourbon, and then selling it as Pappy Van Winkle. Okay. The, the code section is designed to prevent that sort of thing. But they had arbitrarily made a ruling which had a material effect of law. And I asked them about it. That's what they said. They gave me some very, very strange explanations about alcohol settling in margaritas. And, and basically it was, we wanted to do this. We don't have a good explanation, but it's the law. I wrote about it. There was sort of a, a public backlash where people said, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. And less than 24 hours later, they relented and I actually got an email in my inbox with a statement from them that saying, and I quote, you win. <laughs> it made me ask some more questions about, hey, wait a minute. You arbitrarily put this law out there. It's not actually in the code. You just made it up. Yeah. And then you unmade it very quickly. Just like that. And, and that raises a lot of questions in my mind. Yeah. And as far as getting uh, the popular opinion on board, uh, how did this – how, how, how did this article go viral so quickly? Because, uh, I mean, people write articles all the time. They get picked up a little bit. But this one seemed to just take fire. What, what happened? Well, I think there's two real issues. The first was Alabama is known as a social control state. Um, we're very conservative in, in many respects. And so this was maybe a bridge too far, uh, especially when uh, Jimmy Buffett is one of your native sons. Yeah. And it, it was uh, 
really it just sparked a flash. Shoshana Wiseman, who runs our social media at R Street, created some very interesting gifts and other things to point out how ridiculous that was. And it, people just sort of got it. They said, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. There's no really good justification. And when they started reading some of the strange reasons the Alabama ABC gave for the rule, uh, it was just beyond the pale. And, and people like passing that stuff forward. It's sort of a, can you believe this? And most <laughs> people can. Yeah. And I did follow a lot of that on Twitter and Shoshana is amazing at this stuff. She gets the attention of P, uh, uh, the attention of people on Twitter and it's something that people want to be involved in and be a part of at that point. And when you say so like the crazy examples that they were giving on this bill, uh, one of the things that you brought up, they had mentioned to you saying, uh, we reserve the right to uh, regulate things that are customarily served in pitchers. Um, where are they going with that as far as customarily? So this, this begs the question of their first iteration of this rule was a general counsel interpretation of a statute that said nothing of the kind. The statute was meant to uh, prohibit bootleg alcohol or adulterated spirits where you're selling something as, let's say, a Pappy Van Winkle bourbon when it's really just watered down or something along those lines so that somebody can fraudulently make more money. That's what the statute was dealing with. Somehow they read this to apply to margaritas, and then once they got called on it, once the pressure happened and it <laughs> built, they relented, and they said, well, we'll maintain the spirit of the rule, but we'll allow beverages customarily served in pitchers, which means they replaced one ambiguous, unnecessary rule with another and I'm still not clear as to whether they get where they get the statutory authority to do it. This just points to we don't need the ABC. The majority of states aren't control states, and they do just fine. And you, I think we talked a little bit about this before the show. You brought up, uh, I guess, like some funny business because the thing is they retracted this very quickly once the light got shown on this issue. Uh, why do you think that or that is? You think like you create a a, 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 a law, you have a um, a point that you're trying to enforce, or I guess you didn't create the law, but they're enforcing the law. Uh, there's a point they're uh, enforcing, and they just retract very quickly. That seems that all this is just willy nilly, and uh, anything could be challenged at any moment. And what they're doing isn't legitimate. Well, I think this is a technique you see of a bureaucracy that knows it's not necessary, that knows that uh, there aren't a lot of people sticking up for it and who believe it needs to be there. So when they get called out on an arbitrary rule that I would consider make-believe, I think they made it up. They knew they didn't have a leg to stand on, and instead of fighting it and drawing more attention, they said, hey, let's just let this one go. We can move along and and nobody will bother us. And I think that's the wrong approach. I think the answer is, wait, because they did this so quickly, because they just flipped and changed their mind, it's more evidence of the arbitrary nature of the ABC in a state like Alabama. It needs to go. And instead, they're saying, hey, we'll surrender on a point because we'd much rather surrender and let you be a little more free than have you say, wait a minute, you're not necessary at all, ABC, and get rid of us entirely. And that just goes into what you were talking about earlier uh, with this protector 
or, or this issue. And uh, do you see that some of these regulations are really sort of just trying to be a protector to try to prove that they need to exist? I think at the end of the day, they're looking for a protectorate. Uh, they already have it in the retail leases. The, the ABC, as I, I've mentioned several times in my writing and, and in other interviews, has roughly 170-some-odd state-run retail stores, but over 500 that are privately run. They're package stores. And so what the, it's a weird system in Alabama because you run a private series of stores alongside the public series, but the public aren't allowed to own the facilities. The state of Alabama can't own the facilities as a matter of law, so you've got a lot of folks who lease property to the state who want to continue to see those retail stores operating, even though they're not necessary. And it's that kind of thing that is fueling this. And as we mentioned, the 5% markup for the district attorneys, I mean, that's another protectorate. They're looking for people that will justify their existence because they can't do it based on their operations alone. And uh, I guess there's two questions that come to mind on this. One of them uh, in particular is sort of what they were trying to argue back about. They weren't ar arguing about the legitimacy of this bill, whether this bill, or that by bill, I mean the, uh, uh, the enforcement act of it, uh, but whether it's helping or whether it's good or bad, uh, they just said, if it weren't for you meddling people out of state in D.C., uh, we could have had such a wonderful state here, and it's really your fault that we're not getting or not being able to do this. What type of reply do you have uh, to such a ridiculous claim in the first place? Well, I see a lot of this stuff all the time. Uh, it's, well, we're important because we, and then they fill in the blank with something that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you don't have a compelling public reason, compelling government purpose for what, a bureaucracy is doing, it needs to go away because we need to start from the presumption that people are free. This isn't a, there, there's no DC issue here. There's no massive public outcry saying, well, we really just need a bureaucratic control mechanism. I, none of that's existing at all. And I think what people um, are really seeing is that a lot of these agencies, particularly the ABC, they run on inertia. It's We've done it this way, so we'll continue to do it this way. That's where I want to sort of stand up and say, why? Why are we doing this? We don't have to. We are paying for a layer of bureaucracy we don't need. We should enforce alcohol laws. We should make sure that it, alcohol isn't in the hands of minors. There are any number of different things that make sense in terms of public policy. Having the layer of bureaucracy there it isn't one of them. We, we can do everything that ABC can do through other agencies. And you say it sort of just muddles that line between what what actually the goal of these policies are, because you just mentioned, I mean, we don't want underage kids to, to drink. And there's a whole other line of argument as far as what that age should actually be. But as a community, you have these separate guidelines. Uh, you don't want DUIs. You don't want people operating heavy machinery or driving while they're drinking. And those are all laws that are, are that they're on the books that are completely separate from whether or not you can order a margarita in a pitcher. And sure. from what and, I, and some of the requirements about the food to alcohol ratio sold at certain at certain establishments. I mean, they're just arbitrary. They mm -hmm. don't really do anything. The idea that uh, adults aren't able to behave as such. 
Um, and so the state should intervene and just create things, create paperwork, create hassle. Uh, conservatives should reject that. I mean, in a red state like Alabama, the notion of, oh, well, this bureaucracy is a good one. There are no good bureaucracies. There may be some essential ones that we need even if we don't like them because there is you know, a market information gap or something where consumers need to make sure they're informed or laws that need to be enforced because otherwise uh, we wouldn't behave properly. Fine. But the notion that we need another layer on top of that layer that's purpose is to justify its own existence, well, that's just wasting our money. And as a taxpayer in a state like Alabama, I think we can do a lot better. And I think a part of the problem, though, too, is with uh, or these programs like A or like ABC is uh, you get a lot of people out there that when faced with like, oh, they have a different uh, regulation on uh, on whether you can serve margaritas and pitchers or what the uh, mimosas are in or all these other just small minor issues i guess that they would i mean they would say like oh well these are minor things do we really need to pay attention we've got more important things uh to worry about that seems to sort of uh continue on this inertia that the abc they or they seem to i guess to the common per or, or the person would seem that they regulate minor issues it's not a big deal just let them do it and they continue on. But at the end of the day, are these issues really that minor? I think the answer is no, um, that it seems minor. But and a lot of people didn't even really know that pitchers were banned in Alabama because it wasn't equally enforced because some institutions had it. It just happened that there was they got away with it. I mean, that's that's what I've been hearing r- routinely. But the point is, this is what a bureaucracy looks like. This is how freedom dies. Freedom doesn't die because of one monolithic law that just says no more freedom. It's death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this little one. It's that little one. It's one after another, a steady, constant march of the regulatory state. And I think we just need to say we've had enough of it. If there's a compelling reason, fine. We'll, we'll do something. We'll have a law. We'll enforce it. That makes sense. We don't live in an anarchy. But at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff, if you don't even really know whether it's enforced or not, it's probably not that important. Yeah, and uh, and, and, and really like these minor issues or the seemingly minor ones uh, that people talk about, a lot of times uh, like this one, it, or, or it dealt with beer, but they're trying to turn it into margaritas. It's these old, old laws that have been on the books for decades that no one's paying attention to because there's no political capital left in anyone to want to deal with it. And if no one's crying out there like, oh, we need to change this, no politician is going to bring it up or waste their political capital on it. And on top of that, you get a couple people that are affected by these by these issues, whether it's 10 people in a community or 100 or whatever small number it is, uh, they have to try to figure out a way to get by all the other issues that the state or the country is facing and try to get the politicians and more people to say, no, this is the one we need to pay attention to because it's hurting my prosperity. It's hurting the value that I can produce in society, even though mass majority of the public has no idea this is even go is even go is going on. That really goes back to what you were talking about with sunset claw or, or these clauses that they're almost 
they should almost be mandatory on a lot of bills in the sense that, sure, you enact this bill now, but 10 years down the road, go back and look, did it do its job? Or is this actually causing more of a problem now? And either get that off the books and not have to force these small guys that don't have the money or the clout to try to jump in and, and, and bring this huge movement from nothing over some beer or some liquor, but it actually does affect a lot of people every day. You just don't know it. Well, th- this, at the end of the day, I mean, think of the American Revolution. You had the British Army that was the most powerful for- fighting force the world had ever known, and a bunch of farmers, basically, um, on the other side. And yet we won. Well, because we wouldn't stand in a line and go against this powerful military. I mean, we were fighting in the woods. We were wherever there was a comparative advantage, an opportunity to win, the revolutionaries took those wins. And I think that's what people have to realize about fighting these little battles for freedom now against a regulatory state that's far reaching. The the answer isn't go fight on the big theory that people should be free. It's fight the individual battles, fight the little ones and win. Because I, I think that's where we're making a mistake if we say, well, the government you know, shouldn't overreach. Well, guess what? Everybody's going to agree with that. But if you fight a little battle over something like whether or not pitchers of margaritas should be legal, well, that's a dividing line. That's one where they're either going to dig in or not, and, and you can gain a win. You can say, hey, we moved the ball for free, free markets and free people a little further, even if it sounds silly. And I think what's happened is a lot of people for too long have just sort of let the little ones slide, let the little ones slide. And pretty soon, all those little ones add up to a big regulatory state. And we need people willing to stand up and say, no, we're going to start going in the other direction. We're going to pick up wins where we can. We're going to free up people. We're going to get rid of silly, ridiculous, stupid rules. And we're going to do it one at a time. And hopefully at the end of the day when we're done, We've got a big old pile of freedom. That's wonderful. And the thing is, with what you, what you and your team and Shoshana accomplish there with this or with this issue, uh, it's really inspirational because it was literally overnight that this all started to take place and everyone started to pay attention online, and that sort of equated into actually putting pressure on these people at the ABC. How can, uh, I guess, individuals that are listening, anyone out there? make that type of an impact? How do they start getting involved in things like this? Well, this is actually very easy. First, identify something that's stupid that government does. That's very easy to do. (laughs) We we see these things repeatedly in our daily lives. Like, well, why can't I do that? Oh, because there's a rule or a law or whatever. And then talk to people about it because that was the big thing with me. I didn't notice that the pictures of margaritas were banned. I just didn't even really think about it. Um, somebody said that they took the pictures away from Taco Mama in Homewood, Alabama. They said, that sounds weird. And so somebody like me then says, hey, let's look into it. And that's the second step is once you talk to somebody, find someone who's interested in these issues that can start talking about it. And then the answer is don't leave them hanging because of the fact I was able to write about it. I wrote a column. It was a goofy column. But – People said, no, we're not going to take this, and they created the pressure. It wasn't me. I just happened to make a good argument. They created the pressure, and I think this is what we're learning is let's do these one at a time. 
you know, let's help each other out. If you love freedom, don't simply say I love freedom. Rally around somebody finding a small fight, a discreet fight where the rule is dumb and it needs to be done away with. And we can do that. We proved that you can do this and you can do it quickly because these regulatory states aren't used to people questioning them on the specifics. They're used to being yelled at and not liked. They're not used to somebody saying, this is a specific rule you have. You made it up, and it's bad, and it needs to go away. That's a different story altogether. We can create pressure together if we're willing to fight for our freedoms, and I think that's where we are right now. It, that's a wonderful or, 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 or really, that's a wonderful way to end the show right there. Uh, but I do want to make sure that uh, you get uh, the, or the, or the last word on anything else you'd want to bring up. And also, how can the listener find out more about you, what R Street is doing, and what Drinks Reform is doing? Sure. You can find us at RSI or at D. Cameron Smith. That's my Twitter handle, drinksreform.org. Check it out. Join us. I mean, we're looking for people who want to sort of enter into the fray. We, we know you're out there. We know that this matters to you. Help us find out things that we need to go after. And hey, maybe we can do that together. Excellent. Hey, well, Cameron, I really appre- uh, I appreciate this. Thank, thank you so much for joining on the show. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. That was Cameron Smith of R Street Institute. Uh, like he said, be sure to check to check him out on Twitter and Facebook. And also you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Free to Brew NC. And that's on Facebook and Twitter. And check out iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud for the podcast. But uh, that's going to be the end of the show. And like we always say here, without beer, there can be no liberty. And without liberty, there can be no beer.